On this week's episode, we learn how to maximize the home office deduction. Who can take the home office deduction? What happens if your home office creates a loss in your business? And why S-Corp owners need to pay close attention to how this deduction works. As always, if this episode helps you or brings you value, please do me a favor, share it with a friend. Thank you and enjoy the show. Welcome to Build Your Wealth Muscle, a podcast dedicated to helping fitness entrepreneurs build wealth by saving taxes and growing their money. Each episode will break down different strategies in the areas of business, tax, and retirement planning specifically for your coaching business. Disclaimer, the topics covered in this podcast are for educational purposes only. This is not advice for your specific situation please consult a qualified financial or tax professional before making any changes to your financial or tax situation. Now here's your host, certified financial planner and tax advisor, Pat Darby. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Build Your Wealth Muscle. Today's episode is a solo episode. So for those who are unfamiliar with our show formats, well, first of all, welcome. Appreciate you joining us. And so there's two show formats, one like you clicked on today, which is a solo episode where it's just me and I can go pretty deep into the topics of tax planning, tax savings, finances, wealth management, and really hope to give you like step-by-step instructions. The second type of format is where we have a guest and they're either a colleague of yours in the online business space, or they're someone that supports you from either a legal tax Uh, marketing, sales, whatever perspective, um, or they're a colleague of yours. I think I said that already. So, um, But today we're getting into a little bit of the tax savings. Now, I talk about a lot the difference between um, the different tax planning strategies. For example, I'm not a huge fan of spending money on something that does not give you any return on your, your money. So for example... For some people, they might like um, the, the social media tax people. A lot of times, they're talking about whether they're tax experts or not. Um, they're always talking about like buying expensive vehicles. Now, if you're doing that for the purpose of generating additional revenue, like if you're putting it on some sort of rental platform, that's different. But I'm talking about buying extensive, expensive shit that you don't need just to create a tax deduction. I don't think that's favorable. So what I like is seeing people look for ways to deduct what they're already spending money on. So that's one of the reasons today's episode, I think, is super valuable because you're already paying rent or mortgage payments. So how do we get that home office deduction maximized? Now, again, because it's money you're already potentially spending in your personal life, those are some of the best tax strategies, if you ask me, taking personal expenses that you're already incurring and finding a way to legitimately move them into your business and have your business write them off. So that way you're paying less tax and your budget, like your personal budget, hasn't changed. Because I have a big issue with the financial advisory world that comes in and they don't know anything about taxes. They come in and start telling you that you're spending too much money. I just did some social media last week uh, making fun of that Wolf of Wall Street gif where like they're like talking about i think their cpa is yelling at them or something like that they spent too much money at the club um i should probably rewatch the movie to get that 
quote right, but it was, but basically my point was <clears throat> them spending too much money might not be the issue if that's what they want to spend their money on, but finding legitimate ways to make that same expenditure a legitimate part of the business as a write-off. So that way you're not telling someone to spend less money if they're spending money in the areas that they want to. Again, this takes out the frivolous spending, obviously, like if you're spending more than you make and things like that, that's a whole different topic. But if you see someone spending an exorbitant amount in their personal life, instead of beating them up for it, if that's what they want to spend their money on, finding legitimate reasons to make that a part of their business could be a win-win for everybody. So that being said, let's dive into the home office. So first and foremost, who qualifies for having a home office? needs to be a portion of your home that's exclusively used for business. Now that is important because it's like, is it a place where you're seeing patients, seeing clients, seeing customers, or are you doing administrative work? Whatever you're doing, if it's, a, if it's exclusively used for that in your home, it could be used as a home office. Again, that's um, even if it's like storage unit for inventory. Now, again, it's, it has to be exclusively used for business. So if you have a guest bedroom that is also your home office, that's not going to count because if, if the IRS ever did audit you, it's really not a home office if it's really a guest bedroom too. So that is really important to keep in mind that it is exclusive use. Now, what I think gets miscategorized or misunderstood frequently is the situation where someone actually has a quote unquote real office and then they have other home office as well. And a lot of times accountants will say, oh, well, you can't do that because you have a real office. That's not true. It used to be true, but an administrative home office exception exists. Now I can't remember the details, whether it was a doctor or a dentist, but someone in the medical profession fought the IRS on this and basically said, I see my patients at the office office, but I go home and do my administrative paperwork, my billing, et cetera. And so I'm entitled to two offices. I'm entitled to a home office because I don't expect my client or in his case, patients to come to my house. So the IRS agreed with him. I believe he won in tax court, but that opened it up for the rest of us. So you can have a a legitimate quote unquote office that you drive to every day, but you can also take the home office deduction because it's not unreasonable that you are at home reviewing your, your books and doing some emails and doing some administrative work. That's totally legitimate. But the other things that we discussed today will need to be followed by or followed. <laughs> um, so if you use your home office for administrative or management activities for the business, and you have no other fixed location where you can conduct substantial administrative activities for your business, you could choose the home office. Because again, like I said, this, this other business uh, won that argument for the rest of us. So let's go through how you calculate this deduction. And I'm going to read through an Excel spreadsheet that is going to be linked in the show notes. So you can go ahead and download this if you like and use it for yourself, give it to your accountant, but it's going to help you track everything. So it's there's the main common way that people calculate this is through the regular. 
There's a simplified version of it as well, which I'll quickly go through, but most people are likely not to use this um, just because it's not as good. But the simplified option is you basically get $5 per square foot up to 300 square feet. So the maximum deduction is $1,500 per year. So you can imagine like, cause that number doesn't seem to be coming anywhere close to keeping up with inflation, depending on your mortgage or your um, rent. As we go through the actual expense method, you're going to see like that's not too favorable. Um, for some people that might be good, talk to your accountant, but most people they're going to end up using what we're going to talk about next, which is the actual expense method, which is going to be a percentage of what you actually use. So again, I'm going to be reading off of a spreadsheet that I give to clients. And I think it's super helpful because one, all the, all the work is is basically done for you. But let's dive right into that. So there's a few different expenses that you're going to run into that are calculated differently. So for example, there's certain things that you're going to get a 100% deduction. And then there's certain things that are going to be a percentage basis. So how that basically works is if you have a direct expense that's inside of your home office that are used for the business, you're going to get 100% of it. So like think about that would be if you have this home office, let's consider it a second bedroom or third bedroom or whatever additional bedroom that's 100% your business. If you do something for that office, you're going to get 100% of it. So if there's some sort of installation, some sort of repair inside of that office, you're going to get 100% of it. Any sort of furniture that is specific for that office, you're going to get 100% of it. So like as I'm recording this, I'm using podcast equipment. Now, if you have things like that, I'm going to read like podcasting equipment, extension cords, like the ring light, things like that, you're going to get 100% of it. Now, as a business owner, you're really going to have two choices. You could use that deduction inside of your home office. But I think most of you, if you know you're going out and buying an extension cord, podcasting, microphone, whatever it is, some sort of content, you're probably going to use your business credit card and it's going to be a business expense. So you do have flexibility there where you could say, all right, well, I'm going to Home Depot to buy a desk for my office. I'm just going to swipe my corporate card, my business card, and then you're going to capture that expense inside the business. But this is for stuff that for whatever reason, maybe you didn't. So if you did a repair and you paid for it personally, but it was for the office, then you get 100% of that deduction. Any sort of supplies, again, you're going to have this. This one's a little bit, I would say it's hindsight, so for example, because if, if you're sitting down with your accountant, you'd be like, yeah, I bought a couple of desks with my personal credit card and now they're sitting in my home office. I'd be like, okay, well, give us the receipts and we'll put it in the home office. But if you're working with someone who's proactively telling you how to maximize tax deductions, it's likely they're going to recommend you use your business credit card because then if they're doing the bookkeeping for you, it's all going to be tracked and reported. And again, the, the thing I don't like about trying to move some of these expenses, the direct expenses that I'm just referring to, there's a chance that the, there's a chance that you forget them. That's obviously the biggest risk that I don't like about um, purchasing things on your personal card because then you're on the hook to track it. Whereas if it's inside of your books, your bookkeeper is going to help you track it. So now, so that was all the direct expense things. The things that, again, you're going to get 100% of it, regardless of the size of the office itself. Now let's move to the indirect expenses. Now, these are all going to be a ratio. So how you calculate this is you figure out the square footage 
of your entire home. And then you figure out the square footage of your home office. That percentage, so let's use a hypothetical example. Let's say your entire home is 2,500 square feet. And your home office, it's say, let's say it's like a fourth bedroom or third bedroom. It's 500 square feet. So now all of your indirect expenses, you're taking 500 and you're dividing it by 2,500 to get 20%. So everything that we discuss that's part of this calculation, you're going to get 20% of it. So again, you can download this spreadsheet on the, in the show, note, show notes, but I'm going to sort of walk you through some of those common expenses so that you can start adding them in. Now, the first two categories are going to differ depending on whether you are renting or owning. If you rent, you would get 20% of what your annual rent is. If you own, you don't get to take 20% of your mortgage payment. You're getting 20% of the interest on your mortgage payment. Now you'll see at the end, we actually, you do get a portion of what you paid for the place because there is a depreciation element if you own. So don't flip your, your thinking to say, oh, it sounds like the renters get do better on this. That's not true. It's a little simpler because they just it's what they pay. But you as an owner get a depreciation element as well. But I just want to make that clear in the beginning. You're just putting down your interest, not the payments itself. So then 20% of, let's say you have renter's insurance or mortgage insurance, whatever it is, that insurance payment it, for the homeowner's insurance or the renter's insurance, that is going to be 20% as well. 20% of property taxes, again, that's for, for owners. Um, HOA fees, again, that's obviously for owners as well, 20%. Now we get into utilities, gas, water, electric, anything else, 20%. Now your phone would be in this as well, but again, you might have your phone completely separate as part of your business expenses or an accountable plan, which is separate for S-Corp owners. If you have a landline, it would go here. I don't think most people listening to this probably still have a landline, but if you do, this is where it would go. Um, your Wi-Fi, any sort of internet bill, you get 20% of it. An alarm system, cleaning, if you get your whole house cleaned, you can take 20% of that and move it into the business. Again, this is what I'm why I like this one so much is because you're probably if you're paying for these services anyway, they're coming out of your personal pocket. They're not a budgetary expense that you're necessarily getting business um, perks for, deductions for, except if you have a really thorough home office uh, deduction because you're realizing, hey, like everything I do for my home, I can take in this hypothetical 20%. So whatever yours is, like maybe you've decided that you'll make the master bedroom the home office and you live in the small part so that you can t take 40% or whatever the case may be. But as long as it's legit, it's legit. So any repairs. Now, again, that's, that's, you specify what those types of repairs are. And in my spreadsheet, I have things that I want people to ask about because it's going to be case by case basis. And there's going to be things that you may not realize are deductible, but they might be. For example, if you have uh, expenses related to like your pool or your landscaping, or if you painted parts of the house that were not the office, like bring those things to your tax advisor, because for depending on your situation, that may or may not count. 
but you want to start thinking outside the box like, hey, these are all the things that I'm paying for in my personal home. Could they be part of the home office deduction? Yes or no. For example, another one, part of your kitchen. If you are in the fitness space, you could be using your kitchen as content creation, meaning if you're doing recipes or something like that, you could justify a portion of that kitchen to be part of your home office. Now, again, you want to always, for things that are controversial in your own head, you have to start thinking of the, the way the IRS looks at it, the way an auditor. Expenses for a business need to be ordinary and necessary. So that's intentionally vague because what's ordinary and necessary for like a construction business might not be ordinary and necessary for an online fitness business or an OnlyFans business, anything like that. Like those ordinary and necessary expenses will be different. So the another portion could be like if you are using the garage for storage or for if you're doing training videos for clients, if you have a, a home gym in there, these are things that if it's ordinary and necessary for your business. And in another factor is if you could prove to an IRS auditor revenue streams coming from the things that you're writing off, that's strengthening your argument. Again, like using the example of um, the home gym, if you're doing fitness tutorials and you can prove that from your social media, your YouTube, et cetera, that it is either generating revenue or clients are, are clicking on it, whatever the case may be, you're proving that it's ordinary and necessary for your business. And so in this, this is where you would put those things in the home office deduction, which the advantage is it's increasing that ratio. Because again, before we're saying 500, maybe as a guest uh, spare bedroom that's used exclusively. But if now you're able to legitimately make part of your uh, kitchen or part of your garage, or your garage, you wouldn't say part of your garage, because it has to be used exclusively for business when it comes to the garage. All right. Now we get to the last part, which is the depreciation element. So you just figure out with your accountant what the value of your home was, what you paid for it, and then also what the value of the land is because you can't depreciate the land. And so they'll do that calculation for you and come up with a number of how much of your spending inside of the home is allowable as the home office deduction. Now, a couple things. The home office deduction cannot run your business into a loss. It stops it basically at zero, but it can get rolled forward. And I don't want to get technical on that, but I just want to plant that idea seed in your head so that if your business, if you run these numbers and you have an astronomically high home office for whatever reason, or maybe you're fairly new in business, and so the revenue isn't that high, the profit's not that high, and your personal living expenses are, then again, you, you want to temper your expectations. This isn't going to throw you into a loss, but your accountant will capture these and have them available for next year, which is cool because then maybe the next year you're off to the races, you're making a nice profit, and you have these things from the previous year. The last thing I want to get into, again, this sounds like this will be a shorter episode, but the last thing I want to get into with you guys is how you actually take this. If you're a regular um, LLC or sole proprietor, meaning you file on Schedule C, that might be a confusing term for people. But basically, if you're not an S-corp, I'm talking to you. Um, so, Because if, you, if you're 
same thing. If you're a partnership, I'm not, this is different, but inside of an S corp, you have to take this deduction differently. And the way you do it, I could have an entire, I need to actually do this. Uh, you could have an entire episode on what is considered an accountable plan. The short answer of an accountable plan is that it's essentially a way that you're reimbursing yourself for your business expenses. Because when you're an S corp, you are an employee of your own business. And that can get very confusing because you have to sort of switch your hat on and off that there's, you're not just an employee. You're, you are the owner, but you're also an employee. And that, that may be very hard to distinguish as an individual, but the IRS makes a clear distinction here. So if you were always a Schedule C, meaning you were a sole proprietor or you were an LLC, that you're the only member, you could easily get away with doing the home office the way you've always done it, where like at the end of the year, you just tell your accountant what the, all these expenses were and you're good to go because they're going to plug it in in hindsight and the IRS is totally cool with that. If you are an S-Corp, the rules become different for you. You have to take these deductions throughout the year. And it might sound trivial, but it's important because this accountable plan is how you, throughout the course of the year, you either you or your bookkeeper has to input this in. So all these expenses that we're talking about, you do need to know what they are, not at the end of the year, but more importantly, throughout the course of the year where you're telling them that your bookkeeper this is, or you do it yourself, you mark it inside of your bookkeeping software, how much these expenses are in either a monthly or quarterly basis, and you're doing a reimbursement. Now, again, it could be a paper reimbursement where you just note it in the bookkeeping as, hey, like this is, um, these were these expenses and the owner, owner slash employee is being reimbursed for it. So again, I, I need to do a whole episode on the, these accountable plans because from a bookkeeping perspective, it's important. That, but the takeaway here is if you're an S-corp or sole proprietorship or partnership, whatever, you all get the home office deduction, but how you do the bookkeeping and how you let the IRS know about this deduction is going to be slightly different for everybody. Um, but the key takeaway again is you get to have this. And even if you have an office, like a, like a quote unquote real office that you drive to, you are still entitled to the home office through the administrative home office exception. So that is, that is something that I think a lot of accountants overlook because that rule, I believe, changed less than 10 years ago. So if you've got an accountant that isn't keeping up with all the tips and tricks, they might be telling you some incorrect information that, hey, you got a legit office over there, so you can't take the home office. Come talk to me. We'll, we'll get you that home office deduction. <clears throat> all right. Well, that's everything that I wanted to go over today. Again, just as a brief recap, this spreadsheet that I walk through is going to be available in the show notes for you to download. Because if you are listening to this, and I guess it'll air at the end of April 2023, um, if you're on extension, which one of the perks of being on extension is that you get to make sure you're thorough with all your deductions. So if you rush, that, compared to like if you rush through and try to push your tax return through at the middle of April when it's due, your account might have no time for you and you're just throwing things together and quickly filing versus what we did with a lot of clients. We got past March and just said, all right, we're putting everyone on extension because we don't want to rush things for you. We want to do our best to give you a ballpark on what you owe if, if we had the information from you. 
But now we have months to sit down and really be thorough so that we're not missing key deductions, especially if they don't have good bookkeeping throughout the year that we can rely on. We're, we're asking these questions and saying, hey, like fill out this, this spreadsheet for us. Go back and make sure you're, you're grabbing that, that water bill, the, the sewer bill, all those things that you might forget about. Go grab it and grow, grab 20%, 30%, whatever your percentage is. Hopefully this is helpful. So if it was, as always, do us a favor, share with a friend, but uh, or DM me. Again, I, I like talking about this stuff. It's it's fun for me. Even I guess that's kind of nerdy, but I like it. So hope this has been great and have an awesome week. Thank you for joining us this week on Build Your Wealth Muscle. The links mentioned in this episode are available in the show notes. For video clips and more information on tax and retirement strategies for fitness entrepreneurs, please follow my Instagram at the Pat Darby. If you found value in this episode, please do us a favor and share with a friend. If you tag me, that'd be appreciated also. Lastly, for help implementing any of the topics discussed, please book a call. The link is also in the show notes. Thank you again for listening and have a great day.